we opened the week with a pretty raw email from a hurting man, uh, a hurting dad. He's sad over the brokenness of this world, and that brokenness hits home for him very closely. Here's his story sent in as an anonymous email. Dear Pastor John, to be totally truthful and honest with you, I struggle to believe the Lord is completely ruling his world today. It's impossible to believe simply because of the state of the world, or should I say his world today. Not only has our nation gone down a slippery road of immoral self-destruction, but our economy is faltering. National debt is skyrocketing. The unborn are massacred daily. Murder rates in America are swelling. In Chicago, the crime rate has escalated to such a high degree that I'm beginning to believe it's safer in Iraq or Afghanistan than it is in the South Side. Most children sleep under their beds in fear that they may become victims of gun violence. The struggles hit home for us too. A family of four, we have a son born with ADHD. And this has created a life of pure frustration, pain, sorrow, and sometimes even despair. One night, while attempting to do his schoolwork across the kitchen table, he told me, Dad, I hate going to school. Even the teachers make fun of me. I hate ADHD and this medication that makes me sick to my stomach. Pastor John, if God is in charge, why is there so much suffering all around? Well, the most grievous thing uh, this dear man says is it is impossible to believe. And so I've been praying, I, I pray now, that uh, God might perhaps use something I say to make it possible again. We've tried to address this question many times yeah. at Desiring God and in, as Pastor John. Um, but when, when I saw the question, I thought, I really do want to address this again because I feel the gut-wrenching pressure of the problem, not just because of the way this man so effectively articulated it, uh, but also because a while back, Noel and I watched a three-part documentary called Pain, Pus, and Poison. Um, and in the second episode about the history leading up to the discovery of penicillin, and the emergence of antibiotics in the 20th century, I, I was almost overwhelmed with the thought of how many thousands of years the world languished horribly hmm. under the most horrific diseases with no medical defense whatsoever, and in fact with medical procedures that often made matters worse. The, the, for example, the night before George Washington died, they bled mm. four pints mm. of blood from his body. Four pints. That's almost 40% of his blood. That second episode uh, showed pictures of people dying of horrible open infections and little children covered with smallpox sores as I watched uh, their mothers fanning the flies off of them, just waiting for their children to die. Mm. Uh, and when I saw them, I, I, my wife looked away. She couldn't look, and I just felt myself gasping, saying, no. Uh, what if I were there? What if, what if I were the parent fanning this horribly deformed uh, child? 
hideously covered with smallpox sores and, and just waiting for a miserable death. And, and that happened millions of times in the history of the world. Most of us in the West have been spared any immediate contact with the most gruesome, ghastly, repugnant forms of infection and disfigurement and writhing pain. And I, I felt the force of the question, God, God, what, what does this mean about you? What are you doing? What are you saying? And I'm, I'm aware from this man's question and from thousands of others that such experiences of, of unimaginable suffering and hideous disfigurement, that it has confirmed countless, of pe- countless people in unbelief. Mm. They would say, as he does, it's impossible, Piper. It's just impossible to believe anymore simply because of the state of the world today. That's his quote. Only I'm saying the problem is worse. Mm. It's horribly yeah. worse because... Between 1900 and 1977, 300 million people died of smallpox. Then with a massive global vaccination effort in 1977, it was gone. And today, nobody, think of it, Hmm. from 300 million to nobody gets smallpox. Nobody gets polio. The problem with, with suffering is not that the world has gotten worse. Oh, yes, it's plenty bad, and he documented its badness. It's plenty bad. But the worst problem is that for thousands of years, the world has had it so much worse than it is today in terms of horrific suffering. So how do I, John Piper, stay a believer when the little suffering that I have been exposed to directly and indirectly takes my breath away. Hmm. Here's, here's my witness. I think I've got three thoughts here. One, the first thing that grips me is the absolute realism of the Bible. I spent several years writing a book on providence, and month after month I was stunned at how candid and open and blunt and even gory. The Bible is in presenting God's judgments upon the world, especially his own people. Just just a taste from Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat and with drought and with blight and with mildew, and you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your dead body shall be food for the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. Why? Verses 45 following. That was verses 22 to 29. This is 45. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Now, my point here is simply that 
Our objections to God's ways are not because we have seen things more clearly or honestly than the Bible sees them. The Bible doesn't shrink back from any horror or injustice in this world. That's my first step. I can't throw away the Bible because it's naive Hmm. or deceptive or a whitewash of the miseries that God himself ordains. Here's my second step. I would say that the physical horrors in the world can only make sense to us and have meaning and eventual righteous resolution if we come to embrace the biblical reality that sin against an infinitely wise and just and good God is a moral outrage greater than the physical outrage of centuries of global suffering. Let me say that again, because it is the heart of the matter and it is very difficult for people without the Holy Spirit's massive work to embrace. I'll say it again. The physical horrors of suffering in this world can only make sense to us and have meaning and eventual righteous resolution if we come to embrace the biblical reality that sin against an infinitely wise and just and good God is a moral outrage greater than the physical outrage of centuries of global suffering. I'm not saying that each experience of suffering corresponds to each person's particular sins. If that were true, we'd all be in hell. As far as I can tell, uh, and as far as the Bible reveals, there is no clear correlation between the extent of an individual's suffering in this world and the extent of their guilt. What I'm referring to is what Paul means in Romans 8.20 when he says, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that is God. What hope? That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning Oh, has it, together, in the pains of childbirth until now. It's like, the, it's like the earth is pregnant and screaming with with birth pangs. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. The universal groaning of creation the agonizing of all creation in suffering is owing to what verse 20 calls subjection, the creation's subjection, and what verse 21 calls bondage to corruption. And this subjection and corruption is owing to the one who subjected it in hope, namely God. This is what I'm referring to when I say that the sin that came into the world through Adam and spread to all people is a moral outrage greater than the physical outrage of suffering, which means that 
seeing and believing the the goodness and, and justice of God assumes a Copernican revolution of our mind and heart. In other words, if, if, if we're going to see God as good and just and wise, we have to undergo such a profound mental and spiritual Copernican revolution of mind and heart so that God ceases to be a planet circling the sun of humanity and becomes the massive, blazing, glorious sun at the center of the solar system of all things, God becomes supreme reality. His being becomes the supreme worth and treasure of the universe. Only in this way will the moral outrage of sin be seen as worse than the physical outrage of suffering, which means very practically, that when I gasp at the hideous pictures in the documentary and find myself inevitably saying, oh, God, oh, God, what does this mean? The answer I hear is all human suffering is a screaming witness to the greater horror of human sin. Finally, the, the third thing that keeps me from not believing or keeps me believing is that God sent his son into this world, sent his very self to suffer a moral outrage greater than the outrage against his father by all his people in their sin. For the infinitely pure and good and wise and strong and holy Son of God to descend to the degradation and torture of a Roman crucifixion is enough suffering, enough indignity to cover all the outrage of all the sins of all who believe. Therefore, all who believe will have eternal life. All who believe will have eternal joy. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I don't claim that such faith is simple or easy. Uh, it is a gift, and I am simply bearing witness to how, how it is that I am still a Christian. Yeah, thank you for giving uh, hope here and for being willing to field these hard and dark emails, Pastor John. And listeners, thank you for being willing to share your raw stories with us. Uh, our regret is that we cannot get to all of them. But thank you for joining us today. You can ask a question of your own, search our growing archive, or subscribe to the podcast, all at desiringgod.org forward slash John. I'm your host, Tony Ranke, and we will see you back here on Wednesday. Thanks for listening.